This should be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And welcome, everyone, to Under the Dome with CD. Appreciate you listening in on this Saturday morning. The fact that it is absolutely beautiful outside is a fantastic thing, number one. And number two, I think without a doubt, the fact that it is absolutely perfect weather makes it an even better reason to just go out there and enjoy yourself on this Saturday. And hopefully we're your kind of therapy as you get ready for a busy Saturday. College football is upon us. And when you talk about the Louisiana Raging Cages, they have a big game coming up with homecoming tonight. And that's where I want to get to first on this program. So let's waste very, very little time because they all say time is of the essence. So let's get down to brass tacks and talk about what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Oh, testify! It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. It seems to be a bit of a trend. If you've been paying attention to anything involving social media over the last few weeks, to dump on a head coach from the state of Louisiana, especially when they're new. And spoilers, a lot of the coaches in the state of Louisiana are in their first year as a head coach, be it ever, or first year as a head coach at their particular program or franchise. We saw it. With Brian Kelly after the way they laid an egg against Florida State. And trust me, that was very, very justified from that LSU fan base and also kind of expected. We also got to realize that Florida State team has proven they look a lot better than they have really since Jameis Winston was walking through those doors. And speaking of Jameis Winston, I think some, but not all of the hate, I think the majority of the hate goes towards the former Seminole quarterback. But some of the hate is now shifting over towards Dennis Allen for the inauspicious start to the season. And then you have the Vermillion and White and their head coach that's already, at least from what I'm seeing from the perspective of a fan base that obviously has had some really big highs but looks to be getting down a little bit lower than some people thought they would. And again, it's just some of that fan base. They're already throwing him under the bus. This guy only got hired 10 months ago, and they were completely in favor of the hire dating back less than a year ago. They were like, oh, he's smart as a whip, all this stuff. Here's the thing. You can't go ahead and throw the panic button right here, right now. Yes, you've lost two straight games. Yes, you lost to your in-state rival, which really hasn't been a rivalry for a good while. Here's the thing. It's the first year of a new era, 
And there's a lot of changes across this area, across this team. Allow me to be the voice of reason, if you will, when it comes to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Did really? Did we really think that this team could sustain the success of 2020 and 2021? And that's not a knock by any means. Because anytime you go through a wholesale change during the offseason, there is bound to be a drop-off. There is absolutely bound to be that kind of situation happening. Look at some of the guys that they lost. Makai Garner, a really solid defensive player for the Cajuns. He jumped ship to LSU and has gotten a ton of quality reps in the purple and gold. Damn near every game I've been able to listen to here on the game. I've heard Makai Garner be brought up a handful of times. There's a lot of other guys that jump ship to LSU and other group of five programs. Montrell Johnson, one of the surprise freshmen from last season. He really broke onto the scene last year, had some great moments. He left and stuck around with Billy Napier and is going to Florida split in time with Trevor Achan, the younger brother of Travis Achan, now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And here's the thing. That run game has looked anemic compared to recent years, and I think that's one of the big reasons why. Chris Smith can't do it all. And Montrell Johnson would have been an absolute stud in that running back core, but again, he decided to leave for greener pastures and maybe some more do-re-mi at the end of the day. And of course, we got to bring up Levi Lewis, one of the best quarterbacks in program history. He's no longer there. He's signed to the CFL as of right now. Don't know how much money he's making. Probably a little bit more than what The Rock was making back in the day when he was in the CFL. You've ever heard that story. That's not much he was making back then, living on a mattress that he found in the back of a hotel that had a lot of stains on it. But if you thought this team could sustain that kind of success, or any team for that matter, that could sustain that kind of success with that much turnover not just on the field, but on the coaching staff as well. You might be more that glass half full guy. And I am definitely a guy that can be glass half full from time to time. But if you've listened to me on this station for the better part of eight years, I've been very much call it like I see it. Like I'm an official right down the middle. There's no, there's some bias from time to time, but I think there's safe to say, I thought that this team was going to be an eight and four, nine and three type team, not a, 10-win machine. Not a 10-win team in my mind. The turnovers in terms of the on-the-field the, on and coaching staff turnover hurt. And yes, the loss to UL Monroe last weekend was about as disgusting as watching Arkansas lose a ball game by hitting the top of the goalpost. This, emo- this football season is full of emotional damage from what I've seen. And I think there's plenty of criticism to throw around. But I think it's nowhere near time to dump on Dez. Or what I'm going to say, there's no reason to dump Dez right here, right now. Yes, they have a stiff test of in front of them. The schedule does not get any easier from here on out. They could have been 4-0, definitely. But I think there's a lot more to it than that. It's guys that just haven't had the opportunity to play under the bright, bright lights. It's a lot of younger guys. I want to see what this entire team can do. And if they can beat South Alabama and overcome what feels like a mountain of odds, because 
like you heard in the two-minute drill, Chandler Fields reportedly, keyword reportedly, met Miguez kind of threw this out there, I believe during halftime of the Southside contest, that Chandler Fields is doubtful to play in today's game with undisclosed injury. Then Bill Ben Woolridge is also dealing with injuries, so maybe we see Lance Lejean or, or Zeon. There's there's some guys out there that could fit that role, but we just don't quite know where that's gonna go. But I stand here before you saying don't dump Dez. I understand the hate, but the brakes need to be pumped before we throw the man overboard in his first year. I think a lot of people, and again, it's a what have you done for me lately type of business. It's a sport, and the world of sports in general is very much you're only as good as your last game. Trust me, the last game, the last half of football for the Cajuns was abhorrent. The fact that you allowed that team to creep back in and you lost to your in-state rival, that is absolutely a no-no in the Sun Belt, especially in a more competitive Sun Belt Conference. You're dealing with Troy. South Alabama's finally got their bleep together. Then you've got teams like Marshall you're going to deal with, Arkansas State in year two under Butch Jones. I think they could be a little bit better. There is going to be a clear shift of power. The thing is, you've got to kind of right the ship it may not be this year but next year that's when you really start to see how this program starts to move forward so i'm going to say right now i understand there's a lot of people out there that are hating on the des train right now the des era is not a good start you're sitting at two and two heading into a sunbelt conference homecoming matchup against south alabama a team that for years has been consistently inconsistent. But now they have a quarterback. And I like when Happy Gilmore learned how to putt. That changes the game. Now, we see a Cajun team that is an underdog against a team that they've been able to handle with ease in the West Division. Now, what happens after this year? Is anybody's guess? Again, I keep saying it to people. Billy Napier was 7-7 seven and seven in his first season. The first year he was head coach of the Cajuns, 7-7. Seven and seven, And I never heard a soul, never heard a soul hate on him for one reason or another. That's kind of where we're at right now in my mind. I don't want to hear the, the Dez hate because there was never any towards one Billy Napier for a 7-7 seven and seven start and laying an egg in the Cure Bowl. If you get to a bowl game, tremendous, great, wonderful. Because here's the thing. Who's to say those bowl games don't dry up in the next couple years when the college football playoff expands from four all the way to 12, which I honestly think is way too much, but that's just my opinion. So again, pump the brakes, seven and seven. Everything overall is still good. You can't say, hey, we're doing bad. No, you're just falling a little bit shorter of the mark. I think there's something to be said about the expectations that this team and the fan base has. It's a little bit different. But I think there's going to be a lot of popularity for Dez. It just won't be his first year. 
it'll probably be more year two or year three once he gets his guys in and really starts cooking with his own ingredients. I could be completely wrong here. I think, and if I'm wrong, good luck finding that next Billy Napier. That's all I'm going to say on that because here's the thing. Billy Napiers don't grow on trees if you're a group of five program. Billy Napier was a once in a lifetime head coach for the Cajuns. And he parlayed that into something that nobody else was able to do in the history of Cajuns football. Go to a bigger program. Make a, not a lateral move, but a vertical move. He did that. He didn't step down and have to be, or be fired after some backlash over some things he said and then go down to the FCS level. Now he's coaching high school football. He, none of them are going, he's not going to be a car salesman, insurance salesman, whatever, after his coaching days are done. This is a guy with Billy Napier that had to turn everything around and did that amazingly. Now it's time for Des to prove it. I think give him another year. Y'all just got to sit back and relax. I think you can say that about a lot of programs here in the state of Louisiana, but I think that one's the more noticeable one. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk about high school football, Friday Night Lights, and I'm definitely blown away by some of the teams that are still in firm control of their own destiny when it comes to the postseason. I know we're halfway through the season, but why not kind of get into some of the minutia surrounding high school football in 2022? We'll be back after this right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think, when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, and here it goes. High school football week number five is in the books, and it's always great to play that Coolio, Keenan, and Kel theme song. Absolutely iconic. Rest in peace to the late, great Coolio. But it was a interesting kind of week five of high school football in the Acadian area because I, I was just, I'm still surprised at how much dominance there is from certain programs namely the St. Thomas War Cougars last week they had a disappointing loss but here's the thing you're playing Catholic High Baton Rouge one of the best teams in the entire country and they not yeah I'd say the entire country no doubt about it but definitely one of the best teams in the state if not top five teams just overall because Catholic High Baton Rouge is an absolute power in the area and in fact they've got a five-star wideout in Shelton Sampson who is going to be playing for LSU next season Losing that game, more because of the fact that they fell apart in the second half, that was not a great look. But was a great look was what they did last night. They dominated in terms of their first half possessions, and then they were able to stave off a late rally. You had this program put it all together in a 42-21 win over Denham Springs. They were able to do it all. Like Basically, they were still able to be a high-powered offense, high-octane, as they always have been. But they were able to also 
acknowledge and fix something that affected them more in last week's contest against Catholic High of Bad Rouge because of the fact that they did not necessarily perform all that well in the second half. They were up at halftime, but then that lead salted away and it fell apart quicker than the Atlanta Falcons in the fourth quarter. There's my one per week. Meanwhile, one of the other teams in that same district, they are still unbeaten, and that is the Turlings Catholic Rebels. And they rolled to a 38-0 win over the Bro Bridge Tigers. Absolutely dominated. Preston Welch, the quarterback for the Rebels, had five touchdowns in the first 18 minutes of the game. This dude was just slinging the pigskin around like nobody's business. And I can't wait to see what this program does once we get into the thick of high school football. Because that's where we're at right now. We're getting closer to district play. We get to see some of these more premier matchups. Teams like Westgate, teams like STM are going to be up against the Rebels. But a 5-0 and start for this Rebels team is pretty doggone good. Especially because for the last few years, after you saw guys like, you know, Cole Kelly leave the program to go to college, play at Arkansas, Southeastern Louisiana, and you lose out on guys that were absolutely impact players on the gridiron at quarterback. Because it feels like, to me, this program is definitely more quarterback-driven. And they got things done. Dane Chaponche is doing a great job with this program. And I think this is that opportunity for them to really start breaking through and getting back to where they were, I'd say, in the 2014-20, I'd say 2014-2017 to seasons. Because that was really where they were at their peak and could have knocked off the Cougars and made a trip to the Superdome. It's still a definite chance of that happening before too long. Some other games of note especially on our family of stations, the Acadian High Reckon Rams absolutely stomped the mud hole, walked it dry, 59-6 defeat to the Como Spartans. They absolutely whipped up on them. And I talked about how South Alabama, they finally found a quarterback. Well, Acadian High threw the football. Yes, you heard me right. This is not a drill. They threw the football, and I said it earlier. And in fact, I said that to our guy Corey Diaz on Twitter, saying, "You know, is this a lot like how what happens when you have Happy Gilmore learning how to putt? Is this very much like that?" And he kind of laughed at it, but it's like it's mind blowing. They were throwing the football around and were just dominant in damn near all facets of the game. And doing that again, they make their hay in three five eight. They've got some tougher tests. Before too long, teams like Cameron Crow and Southside absolutely are going to determine how the district crown goes. But right here, right now, Acadiana High is setting themselves up really nicely to get ready for the Division I select playoffs. It's going to take some getting used to, a lot like saying the Washington Commanders instead of the Washington football team, but before that, the Washington Redskins. It's going to take some time to get used to saying that, but that's what it is when you're talking about the Acadiana High Reckon Rams. Southside, they took care of business against Barb and made them look foolish with a 30-7 to win out in St. Martinville last night. Barb, 2-3, and three, 
and 0-3 in district play. Not a great start for the Buckos, but a tremendous start for the Sharks. 4-1, 3-0 in district play. And again, Southside's only been a program for a few years in varsity. And they have a chance to really build up some momentum and probably can be a team, again, that may or may not dethrone those Acadian High wrecking Rams. Then you have Abbeville on Thursday night football. Absolutely demolished. I'm talking about stomping mud hole, walking dry. This was lopsided from the word go. 56-6 win for the Wildcats over West St. Mary. This was absolutely demolishing. And Abbeville's got a tough test ahead of them next week. That should be a marquee matchup if there ever was one when they play St. Charles, a perennial powerhouse. A team that beat the streak of LCA's win streak. So they're a team that's going to play them extremely tough. So trust me when I tell you, when Abbeville takes on that program in St. Charles, needs to be must-watch or must-listen-to radio. Some other games of note, the Carrico High Golden Bears, they had their homecoming last night, and they they took down Nish, 51-34. And, of course, I mean, the big story is, you know, Chance Caesar, Chance Caesar getting it done, not just on the ground, but through the air, throwing t- a couple touchdowns. I like this team based off of what I've seen early on in the year. The Carrico Golden Bears are setting themselves up very nicely as they – Head into the second half of the season. Next week, they play the Laughing High Mighty Lions. You'll hear that on Z1059. So that next week, you've got St. Thomas Moore. They're playing North Vermillion. That should be a fun game against the Patriots. And then Turling's going to be playing Westgate next Friday. That Turling's-Westgate game, that's going to be intriguing, especially when it comes to district titles. Again, that's the most important thing that we always talk about here. Rain beat Crowley 28-7. Speaking of the Patriots, North Vermillion beat LaGrange 35-12. Westgate shut out Magnolia 77-0. Lafayette Christian, they took care of a Voiles, and that was kind of expected with a 49-28 win. Lafayette Christian Academy at Northside next Friday. And some of that Karakor Lafayette high game, don't forget, for those that aren't aware of this, I'm going to go ahead and remind you that the matchup any home game for the Lafayette High Mighty Lions will not be at Lafayette High. It will now be located at LCA. And the reason why is because of the fact that Lafayette High as a whole is getting some much-needed renovations. They've been tearing down the ball, the ballpark and the football field to rebuild a new school and all that stuff. So they are using LCA's football field for baseball. They're using, based off of what I've been hearing, they're using slice-eye for their home contest for the foreseeable future in terms of baseball. Football, I don't know where that is right here, right now. Some other games across the Acadian area. The St. Landry Parish game of the week. Opelousas took down Leesville and did it in convincing fashion, beating the Wampus Cats 56-20. to Liked what I saw there. Wound up seeing a little bit of the highlights when I got back home on Friday night. Kaplan beat Beauchene 
Kaplan's going to be playing Crowley next Friday. Iota beat Jennings 21-13. Northwest beat Port Barry 26-8. Erath beats Vinton 28-6. Ascension Episcopal shuts out West St. John 42-0. Delcom takes down Westminster 48-14. Welsh outlasts Lauraville 20-16. Oakdale rolls over St. Ed 48-12. North Central beat Northwood Lena 36-0. Vermilion Catholic, the Screaming Eagles shut out Highland Baptist 48 to nothing. The Screaming Eagles still undefeated on this season. There's only one game that's been going on today that you need to keep an eye on in the Acadian area. Week 5, not quite completely in the books, but there's only one game going on today, and that's going to be Northside at Peabody. I think that might have been, that's according to what I'm seeing, Northside at Peabody, that's still going on. But again, a lot like what we heard last week. I didn't didn't hear much of an update. But those who listened to the show last week, and if you missed it, I'm going to give you the quick rundown. Northside was playing in a homecoming game, not their homecoming, and basically there was a giant brawl that broke out by and wound up causing the game to be canceled, all players to be disqualified, meaning they would not be eligible for next week's game. I don't know if that got appealed or what, but according to what I'm seeing on The Advocate, that game is still slated to be on tap today. We're going to go ahead and take a quick time out. When we come back, I've got Lance Daw, editor for Auburn Daily, part of Sports Illustrated, also host of the Locked on Kentucky podcast. We're going to talk about what's going on with the Auburn Tigers and if this is a win-or-go-home type game for head coach Brian Harson. We'll be back after this. Right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear. With Under the Dome. With the world-famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let me tell you, we got your chance to get scared because we got your chance to win some uh, general admission passes to the 13th gate. And all you got to do is text four letters, G-A-T-E, that spells gate, to 337-283-8100 for a chance to win a pair of general admission passes to the 13th gate, one of the scariest places in the entire country. Not just the state of Louisiana, but the entire country. So get your scare on this Halloween season at the 13th gate just by texting GATE to 337-283-8100. That's courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game, 1037 Live, yet at 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Now let's turn our attention to Maybe a more scarier proposition, and that's what's going on with the Auburn Tigers, especially after last weekend's loss against Mizzou. They'll look to bounce back against the Auburn, excuse me, against the LSU Tigers, which you'll hear the action right here on the game. And to do that, we're going to go out to the game hotline, 
Talk with our good friend Lance Dahl, editor for the Auburn Daily, also host of the Locked on Kentucky podcast. Lance, how you doing, brother? Doing great, Clint. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Let's kind of take a step back and look at what we've seen over the last week. Because when Auburn played Mizzou, it felt like almost a war of attrition, not just on the Auburn side, but on both sides, where it was a struggle that game wound up going to overtime, and Auburn was able to eke out a win over the Tigers. What did you see from that game, and how concerned are you about the run game, especially with Tank Bigsby? Because they couldn't get much done on that perspective. Yeah, it was definitely just a weird game overall. Both teams in the second half didn't really look like they were particularly interested in actually winning the contest. Obviously, we all got to see how it ended in overtime with Missouri running back and Samuel Pete fumbling the ball out of the back of the end zone after Missouri actually had a chance to win the game in regulation. Just a really strange game. Both sides didn't necessarily manage the game well. If you decide, if you talk to a uh, few members here on the beat, they'll give you different opinions on whether or not Auburn should have gone for it on fourth down late in that game to give Missouri an opportunity to actually win it. Uh, but yeah, just definitely a strange game that was not particularly managed well, uh, especially at the end there by Missouri. But yeah, you talk about Auburn's ground game, and that's something that Auburn was talking about heading into this season. Auburn offensive coordinator Eric Keesaw and Brian Harson both said, look, we want to try and establish things up front. We want to try and run the ball. We want to try and be this pro-style, downhill, running attack type of offense. And that offensive line just simply hasn't been able to get it done for the Tigers this season. And I think that's not necessarily where Auburn's problems start and end. But if you want to talk about the ground game and trying to give the star back touches, uh, your offensive line's got to be able to create some holes. And they just simply didn't do that against Missouri. And heading into that game, I genuinely thought – you know, compared to Penn State, compared to some of these other games that Auburn's played so far this season, you know, maybe they'd be able to create some more holes because I didn't think Missouri was particularly good on either side of the ball in terms of how they matched up with Auburn in the trenches. And I was genuinely sort I was genuinely, I wasn't sh- shocked, but I was sort of surprised by the fact that Auburn just simply couldn't execute with Tank Bigsby. And we're looking down the road and saying, hey, he's our best player. He gives us our best chance to win on offense, and we can't get him the ball. I think you're going to continue to see what you saw against Missouri, which is just extremely stagnant offense. I mean, if you're going to continue to try and give him the ball up the middle and off tackle, and it's just simply not working, your offense is not going to go anywhere, (laughs) especially with, as of right now, a backup quarterback that is struggling to find his groove throwing the football. Talk right now, Lance Dahl, part of the SI Network, editor for the Auburn Daily and we talk about Brian Harson. Obviously, he's the one that's taken a lot of the headlines, and almost headlines are reminiscent of six years ago whenever you saw Les Miles and the former head coach. Names escape me right now off top. I don't know why it's escaped me. But anyways, so you have those two head coaches going at it, and everybody was kind of coining it the buyout bowl. To a certain extent, it feels like whenever you have Brian Harson lose his next game, Everybody's thinking that he could be fired. Is that is there some truth to that statement over in Auburn, Alabama? I've been kind of flipping back and forth on this, and I've talked to different people. Initially, I thought the answer was yes. Uh, I thought that Auburn would be willing to let him go if he were to lose. If he were to lose drastically tonight, I think that would definitely shift the tone, maybe in my opinion. If he loses, I just right now for me, I don't see the point of letting him go until the end of the season. That's just me personally. But I definitely think that there's some truth to, depending on how the Tigers play tonight, uh, it could 
potentially be uh, one of those buyout bowls that you were talking about. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been Les Miles and Gus Malzahn yep. in 2016. I may be wrong on that. Uh, but, yeah, definitely a weird time to be an Auburn fan. Everybody wants to give their opinion on whether or not he should be let go now, whether or not he should be let go, period. But I think one way or another, you're going to see him – I think you're going to see him walk at some point before the end of the season, and that's the question, whether or not Auburn actually does let him go at the end of this game. I've, like I said, waffled back and forth on it, but I'm going to lean towards no, although I'm sure that there are several other people out there that could probably tell you otherwise. Like right when Rod stopped talking, you started going, I was like, it's Gus Malzahn. I was like, why did it take me so long to remember Gus Malzahn? I guess I'm trying to like hide the emotional damage from that LSU Auburn game in 2016 because that was absolutely one of the worst examples of clock mismanagement I've ever seen from the LSU perspective. <laughs> but going back to what's going on with Brian Harson, and this is a conversation I've had, is do you think that Brian Harson, to a certain extent, was set up to fail when he took this job and maybe wasn't able to work with his own ingredients? Basically, wasn't able to make his own gumbo with his oh. own ingredients. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't think that this was an operation that was that was given all the tools to succeed from the very beginning, and they weren't given the tools throughout the process, it looks like, over the last year. And we got to see things kind of come to a head this last spring. Very weird uh, what unfolded on the planes. And, but they, it, it's out in the open now, Clint. Everybody knows how Auburn operates. Everybody knows who's working behind the scenes at this point. Everybody knows what's going on, and people have just sort of accepted it, and they're just sort of okay with, all right, maybe the athletic department doesn't have a lot of say or a lot of power over what their athletics programs, particularly their football team, actually do. It seems like the people that actually provide the money have a lot more say uh, than maybe some other schools. It's just a weird power dynamic, and it looks like those people and other people in power have not necessarily given Harson the opportunity to succeed when it comes to NIL, in my opinion, I don't think they've given him the opportunity to succeed when it comes to coaching hires. I think that has been a struggle from what I've heard from several people. It's been a really difficult thing for Brian Harson to go out and get who he wants to actually coach for his team. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think that right now there's not a lot of help in Brian Harson's corner. And this is something I believe that he said back in the spring, and he reiterated it at SEC Media Day several times, is, look, Whenever your program is scattered all over the place and people are pulling in different directions, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to win games, and that's an obvious statement there. But if they were to all pull in the same direction, then things would start to go well. And you look at Auburn's talent roster, you look at the situation. I mean, if they all could pull within the same direction and they could all get things going, they should be able to win. Three and one right now doesn't necessarily feel like three and one, but it is what it is. And Brian Harson's still trying to fight through, I think, a lot of adversity. So, yes, I would say absolutely. I would say that this has been set up to fail from the beginning. And to be honest with you, does that affect whether or not Auburn should consider letting him go or should consider making changes? I don't necessarily know, uh, considering I feel like the product on the field at this point has been – so questionable, you have to start evaluating things outside of whether or not he was given all the tools to begin with. But I would say, yes, absolutely, Clint. This has been just a weird, weird situation from the get-go. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Ole. I think that's definitely been my biggest complaint with the Auburn Tigers because they've been absolutely a team that has potential after they kind of have gone through the coaching changes and getting Brian Harson. Mind you, they had a chance of getting Billy Napier, and obviously the jury's 
out as of right now about whether or not that could have been a great hire. But the fact that we were hearing from here in Lafayette, Louisiana, that it wasn't necessary. It was a lot like what we're seeing with Harson now, where he was going to be able, be able to cook with his own ingredients. That should be a lesson going forward, I would think. But I like how you brought up the fact that maybe some of the boosters had a bigger role in that. Do you think that could be more of an issue going forward now that NIL is more of a thing where certain big-name boosters that have money, whenever there is a coaching vacancy, that could play a role in who gets hired and how things are done? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that that could change that. Now, I think that definitely varies from coach to coach that you would want to hire, but I definitely think that the powers that be and the people that have money – regardless of whoever steps in, they're going to influence, whether strongly or just uh, somewhat influence uh, the next head coach and particularly what they do in the NIL department. Because I'm going to be honest with you, Clay, it kind of seems like, and I I hate to say this because I could be completely off, kind of feels like a little good old boy system that they've got going on down there. And if they don't like somebody, they're not going to support them. So I think if Auburn goes out and gets a head coach that these people don't like, I definitely think that they could withhold money. I definitely think that they could withhold support uh, for their coaches, particularly in the NIL department. And, look, that's an area that Auburn needs to continue to grow in. Uh, From what I've heard, the Tigers are not necessarily struggling. I mean, they're definitely figuring things out, as all different programs across the country are. But it's, it's an area that Auburn is slightly lagging behind in, and I would like to see them find, if they are to get a new new head coach, I would like to see, to see them find ways to kind of pick up steam in that area. And look, if Brian Harson somehow survives this season, that's an area in, with NIL recruiting where he's got to be able to find ways to improve and to not necessarily immediately get on the level of the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Ohio States and the LSUs of the world but they've got to be able to find a way to start to establish a foundation because as of right now, there isn't necessarily one. Talk right now with the Lansdahl editor for the Auburn Daily, part of Sports Illustrated's network. And, you know, looking at the game tonight, what are some big keys and X factors that LSU fans should keep an eye on with when it comes to Auburn players? Well, I think you have to look at a couple of players, particularly on Auburn's defensive line. If Auburn's going to have any sort of shot in this game, I believe they're going to have to be really, really strong up front defensively. Derek Hall has been a stud defensive end for the Tigers so far this season. Echo Leota, uh, absolutely loved by pro football focus. He's another edge for the Tigers as well. They've been a phenomenal duo so far this season. The defensive line was getting a lot of praise heading into this season. Statistically, they've kind of lagged off in certain areas. Uh, which has kind of been surprising thus far this season. I think, to be honest with you, it's more scheme than anything. But, yeah, they've got some studs up front. Derek Hall is the guy that you're going to have to be watching out for. Got his first career interception last week against Missouri. Uh, Just a phenomenal athlete. I think you're looking at him, if we're talking about X-factors and matchups, you're looking at that D-line containing LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. Daniels right now, 274 total yards per game. That's good for seventh in the SEC. There's no other LSU player inside the top 20 in the conference in all-purpose yardage. So he's the offensive machine that uh, Auburn's got to stop. They've got to find ways to contain him. And I know that LSU's offensive line isn't particularly good for almost a little over three sacks allowed per game, but Daniels has been able to scramble and extend plays and make plays. So I think Auburn's defensive line, Derek Hall, Echo guys like Colby Wooden, 
finding ways to keep Jaden Daniels in the pocket and to force him to throw in pressure situations is probably going to be the biggest key. And we can talk about other ones here. But, yeah, X-Factor matchups, you look at Derek Hall. And to be honest with you, I think you've got to look at a couple of receivers on the Auburn side. Coy Moore, I'm sure you've seen the tw- uh, clip going around yep. on Twitter. That, that clip actually was taken earlier in the summer, if I'm not mistaken. Coy Moore saying that he believed that he was better than LSU receiver Kayshawn Boutte. But I think you've got to look at a couple of Auburn receivers on the outside. I think Auburn's going to try and get creative in this game. I think they are going to try and take some shots. So you look at LSU's defensive backs, who have been solid so far this season, matching up with maybe a Coy Moore, maybe a Landon King, a flex tight end for Auburn, who is, who is a matchup nightmare if Auburn would, would find ways to get him the ball. So, yeah, I think Auburn trying to hit explosive plays and then containing Jalen Daniels. Probably two of the biggest storylines in this game, because like we mentioned at the very beginning of the call, Clint, Auburn can't run the ball. And to be honest with you, I don't think they're going to be able to do it against LSU. So being creative, getting Robbie Ashford in situations where either he can run or chuck bombs, essentially, is what I'm trying to say here, probably the second biggest key. So again, defensive line, Auburn executing in explosive plays, finding ways to stay in this game. I think it could be a really weird game, to be honest with you. It's definitely going to be a fun game to keep an eye on. I got one more for you before I let you go, and I want to drift away from Auburn for a moment because obviously you are the host of the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Give me your thoughts on the Kentucky ball game because I was looking at the lines a little bit earlier before I wound up getting on the air, and I'm seeing Kentucky plus 190 against Ole Miss. It feels like the guys in Vegas are absolutely sliding the Wildcats here in this contest between number 7-ranked Kentucky and 14th-ranked Ole Miss. It's going to be a huge game in Oxford. I'm really excited about it. And, yeah, I think Vegas right now is favoring uh, the Rebels just slightly, if I'm not mistaken. And I think the reason being, although Chris Rodriguez is back, he's not fully healthy. He was actually listed as an oar on the depth chart earlier this week with Cavassier Smoke. And so I don't think there's necessarily a lot of trust. If we're talking about issues with offensive line play here, Clint, I don't think there's a lot of trust in how uh, Kentucky's offensive line holds up against the Rebels. Now, Ole Miss banged up in a couple different areas, I believe on the D-line and in their running back room as well, respectively. So it, it could be an, an evenly matched fun game, but I think that Kentucky has a couple of different holes that Vegas is concerned about. I'm still picking the Wildcats to win. I think Will Levis, an NFL quarterback, future NFL quarterback, is going to find a way to get it done on the road. His stats up until this point on the road have not been particularly impressive, but I think the key is going to find some success uh, in this offense against this Ole Miss defense that just, it, while statistically good, has not been tested by a legitimate opponent yet this season. So that's going to be interesting to watch there. Ole Miss, like I mentioned, down two of their running backs, going to have to stick with the freshman uh, Quinshawn Junkin, uh, Judkins. How he performs is going to be huge. How Jackson Dart performs, uh, I think Kentucky is going to force him to throw the football a lot more than Ole Miss would want to in this game. It, it's going to be a back-and-forth affair, I feel like, and I, I don't – this is kind of cliche, but I think the first team to make a mistake, a turnover, uh, a blocked punt, a muff punt, something like that, I think that's going to be the team to lose. I think that this is such an evenly matched game that the first team that does truly make a mistake, maybe it's Will Levis throwing an interception like he has consistently done uh, for the past several games, you know. But we're just going to have to see again. Really, really fun matchup. I'm curious about Vegas, and I I, I try and explain it away with a couple of different reasons, but to be honest with you, in my mind, I'm still seeing Cats. Uh, I'm still seeing the Cats winning this game. Thank you so much for coming on, Lance. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the weekend. After all your problems during the week, 
It's finally the weekend. Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more Under the Dome with CD right now on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome here. Hopefully you are having a great Saturday morning. Maybe you're getting ready to doing some tailgating because, after all, it is homecoming today at Cajun Field. Kickoff at 4 o'clock. I think it's 4.02 based off of some of the itinerary I was able to kind of procure. So, yeah, about 4.02 kick. Make sure you get out there. I believe the Cajun walks will be a little after 2 o'clock. So, make sure you're aware of that as well. Wrap up hour two in a nice little bow. Got our guy Bob Rose coming on eleven thirty. We weren't going to get Ross on, but obviously at ten thirty. Excuse me, ten thirty. We're going to have Bob Rose aboard. I'm thinking back to the old time when I used to be on from nine to ten to noon, but now it's nine to eleven. The brain still's got to get it together. But we're going to have Bob Rose on to talk Saints because of the fact that we can't get Ross Jackson on dudes across the pond. Completely understand. And a quick heads up before we wrap up hour number one. I'll remind you at the end of the show as well is that we will not be on the air next week. Thanks a lot, SEC, for choosing a far inferior game as your 230 contest. Trust me, this ain't sour grapes in terms of me missing out on doing a show on a Saturday morning. Trust me, I love the show. But at the same time, me getting some extra sleep isn't going to make me complain one bit. That said, I am going to complain because the fact you have the... Auburn Georgia game at 2:30. I understand good old fashioned hate sells, but that game sucks compared to what you could get with two potentially ranked teams in LSU and Tennessee. It's probably going to be more Tennessee side because Tennessee looks damn good this year. But again, I get to have a little bit of sour grapes from the fan base's perspective because Alabama and was always going to be your nightcap game. Everything else kind of falls through. But thankfully, this is the last year we're going to have to deal with that mess because everything's going to be scheduled well ahead of time. We'll be back after this right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette at 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.